This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Sergio Tavares. I'm a lead designer at Frog Helsinki, and I'm here to talk about uh, service design and user centricity. Sergio, thank you for being here. This is going to be a great conversation. I endlessly love talking about design in general. That's the core of where I started my professional career is in design, and then I kind of took off into marketing and things like that. But there's nothing more enjoyable for me to talk about than design and number one, how it's different from art and then how it has its place in business and just all of those great, interesting things to talk about in terms of design. And so I know you have a fantastic and really interesting background in design and user-centric thinking. And so today our big question is, how can lawyers use service design to be client-centric? So maybe you can explain a little bit about your background, but also, first of all, what is service design? That's a great way to start. I think um, even in our business, sometimes there is uh, a little bit of confusion to which what design is. There are some more expressive forms of design, for example, graphic design or editorial design. But design is also a way to, to get to a goal, an end goal. And that is the principle that we use mostly to business, for example, service design or business design. So you have a goal you want to achieve. This goal is to supply or fulfill a certain need from your end customer. And design is the process that will take you there. I love that definition because I've had a lot of clients and just in, in my career approach design as this art form and then they feel like they're dealing with artists and they don't want to get in the way of my creative process and so I usually take a step back and say I do believe there are some designers who approach it that way and that's not correct to begin with and that let's start with the idea that design can fail and design can not achieve this goal and art cannot fail. You know, art is is just a pure expression and there is this big difference between art and design. And so I usually talk to my clients about that separation. Then all of a sudden I feel them relax a little bit and say, okay, I can understand that. So let's talk about how you go about, first of all, defining how you are going to achieve those goals through design. Yes, that is like a frequent question as well, because designers sometimes are quite opinionated and the aesthetic sense is also part of our way of communicating even if we are on a more consultancy level or approach let's say you have communications design and and you have graphic design and you have the whole experience design everything is merged together and that's often playing as a strength to uh, the design activity for example if you take consultants like management consultants the slides are crammed with information they try to tell everything all at once and that is kind of understood by their audience but it's not an easy sale and design tries to make this whole process easier more simple more understandable so as we have these goals it's actually often that we fail 
and we have them to try again and it's also the principle that of fail fast it's very yes. embedded in design activity because it's less costly so you right. try something now you improve you test and you keep going there's no end product there's just versions of of your product or service yeah and i like the idea of fail fast because it allows for failure as a part of the process not the end and that that's like a death of the project it's that this is part of the process and we will fail at this point and then we will iterate again and we will have a new version and i find uh with my clients a lot of times they get version one of a design or, you know, some part of the content and they are comparing version one to someone else's final product. And they have this moment of concern and panic and that's where they start to lose confidence in the project itself. That version one, we're at our starting point and we on the agency side recognize that version one is not a final product. And here's where we're going to start and we are going to take variations and iterate from there, but the client hasn't necessarily been through that process before. And how do you address that with a client who doesn't necessarily understand that this is a process and failure is okay? And and it's not even, maybe failure is not even the right word, but this is version one. And the things that aren't working here are places to learn and make better. I mean, how do you typically address that? Yes, I, I was seeing um, your work and I was fascinated by it because my both parents were lawyers. Yeah, and I think it resonates with your audience. And yeah. I've, I figured that even from my own portfolio, even from the clients I work with, that your communication presence online is a lot about taking the time to find your own voice, your own style. And it doesn't depend so much on you. That's kind of the big news for, for many people that are purchasing this kind of project. Because yes, you may have uh, uh, a dialogue with your designer to understand the fonts, the typefaces, uh, the colors, the vibe, the, the whole mood of the project and, and the content. But it is only after you're out there having the feedback from the users yeah. that you will understand, hey, actually people find this useful. And that is a process you, you simply cannot know from day one. Right. So how do you get through that idea that it is meant to be client-centric? I, I often will have clients that this is that in itself is a, a novel idea. The idea that they should be positioning their overall message and approach in terms of their client instead of talking directly about the business and the firm and themselves and where they went to law school and all of those more, you know, first person kind of narratives. How do you get through and explain that to them? Why, why should it be about the client? Well, that is super exciting because I can really envision the process that we all go through with clients where they have this idea, they are passionate about it, they want to finally, it's also part like a rite of passage that you finally have, you know, my godmother, which happens to be a lawyer as well, said, <laughs> when I have my website, I want to have the black and white picture and the pearls. <laughs> so it's nothing, uh, I couldn't rush her to have her own. She needed to first understand how she wanted to have herself portrayed. 
So that's very personal. But what comes to play as well is that in the current landscape for communication, you need to start understanding where you're going to incept your potential customer. So what are they going to be doing online when they find your website? And how fast do you need to tell them your story before they go to the other Google result? Yeah. So what we do is to have a very actually tactical process of understanding the needs of the person you're designing to. For example, take some time to learn their context, not only what you're offering, but how they are thinking about it. It's much different if you use legalese to create an article or and then if you title it, what do I do when someone steals my documents or something like that, my yeah. identity or something like that. Yeah, I think that's important because even as consumers, and sometimes that's the, the point where people can have an understanding is as a consumer, we are looking on websites for whatever service or product we're looking for. And we want it to speak to us. We don't necessarily want to land on, you know, if we're looking even for a pair of shoes, I don't want to land on the shoes and necessarily think about when the shoe company was founded. And, you know, I I probably do want to know what kind of materials were made in that shoe, but probably not first. First, I want to know, does this shoe meet the need of you know, whatever it is I'm looking for, if I'm looking for a running shoe or whatever, is this going to work for my feet? And then maybe, yeah, tell me a little bit more about what it's made out of and about the company, but not first. So oftentimes I think we need to take a step back and think, okay, how do I go through my own experience as a consumer looking for things that I need? And then we need to apply that. For some reason, a lot of lawyers in the legal industry feel like that is a totally different kind of world, but it's still human beings. Like human beings still think and act the same way, even though the legal industry can be so different than, you know, a lot of other industries. So I know that in your background, you've got, you talk a lot about the balance between inspiration and productivity, and then also being human. So how do you balance those things out when you're having these conversations Yes, I think you phrased it really well. That we are I took all it from your consumers. bio, so I think that was yours. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, the, the, the way that we are all consumers. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I think we rarely pay attention to our purchase processes and our consumption processes because sometimes if in, in some exercises we have asked clients to emulate how they are making a purchase and they create this very linear and perfect path to a, a, a purchase. And actually, no, you click a Google ad several times, you see the same ad several times in different social media. And that's why it's very difficult to establish the attribution of which was the point that you made your decision. It's of course important to check few boxes like on the credibility, the kind of cases that that you have handled before your expertise and all these things that much better. I don't, I don't know exactly yeah. how, how those go, but it's very important that you are able to tailor the content to the moment 
and mindset that that you are uh, when you arrive to the site you will also create content and design content for the person that is actually returning there for a second time that they want to know maybe about the history of the company like you said in your example of the shoes yeah that they're at these different i think that's another thing people don't consider that there are people and there are different phases of that decision and depending on your practice area, I, I work with some people who do like DUI law, law and they are working with people who are getting out of jail and they're urgently looking for a lawyer, probably on their phone. And that is a totally different kind of decision than someone who doesn't have a super urgent need and they're maybe thinking about putting together a will and they've been thinking about it for maybe a couple years and they've been reading some articles and then they've maybe come to your website and then they kind of meander through that path of the decision and they come back and they're continuing to need those reminders and just that encouragement along the way of that decision. So it really does depend as much as we all love to say that in the world of marketing and design, like it really depends on who those clients are and what your practice area is for how that decision path looks, you know, depending on what what their experience is. So I feel like if you're not considering your clients and where they're at in that moment, you're missing out completely. You're going to end up with a website that looks or any kind of online present that's that looks very generic and isn't addressing the questions that people are asking. And, and it's not really going to work at the end of the day. It's, it's going to be those websites that a lot of people come to me with and say, you know, I don't know why I've had this website. It's been up there for five or six years and it's not doing anything. And they think that's just normal, that, you know, that it should be that way. And that's how other lawyers' websites are. And so Anyway, I usually start by saying that's not normal. It should be doing something. It should be, it should yes. be helping your business. <laughs> so awesome. Well, what else, what else can lawyers do in terms of service design? So, you know, I think a lot of times we think of when we talk about just the, the utility of Apple products, everybody's always thinking about Apple and Steve Jobs and how their design is, is done in a way that's very handy. But Service design is is harder, I think, for people to get in their heads about how they design when their business is doesn't have a product. So how, how can lawyers think of that in terms of their law firm? Yes, you definitely don't need a concrete product in order to be very user-centric because the tangible assets are your communication assets. And I would think that the great advantage that a lawyer has over... The, the type of businesses that sometimes we, we deal with is that they have direct contact with their clients. Yeah. It's so often that management gets away from their end clients. They never see them if you're working a big corporation or, or even like on a retail chain. It's easier to lose contact. And, and lawyers can do something that it would sound, I think that's a very practical advice, it would sound that it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference, but if in every encounter the lawyer starts to understand the, what was the need that triggered your pursuit to what made you arrive here, yeah. because then we start a process that we call empathizing. And that is very 
much of a part of a lawyer's work, which is to empathize personally. So it's another advantage that, that I think the profession will have. You empathize so that you understand the basis of those needs, the terms of those needs, how people phrase it in their minds, and also things like how people feel about themselves in a certain moment. So, for example, if a, if a person is facing the possibility of going to jail, that is such a fragile moment for someone. It's not just the service of a lawyer. If you can make explicit that you are a person they can trust, you're a person that can take care of them, and you can infuse your communication with that feeling. And on top of that, you make it easy for the person to be retained with you what is your email what is your phone number let's talk let's connect on whatsapp all these kind of things start to create a very powerful structure that starts working to fulfill the the exact need that person has in that exact time i think that's great so i'm going to reiterate that just because i feel like it's really valuable in terms of what a service design how it translates to a law firm. So you were saying to start out with empathy and understanding that problem and then convert that into a way that shows that client that you really understand and you're meeting them at that moment. And then also bring that through your process so that you're building ease into your system so that you can meet their need in a simple way. And that can also communicate that you really understand what they need at that moment. And that can be very different from one practice area to the next as well. If you are talking to someone who is coming out of jail and they're on their mobile device and you're building that into your website where you are starting with the mobile design and you are putting a very simple, quick and easy contact form there on a mobile device, that's speaking to that. But we often will work with estate planning attorneys who are working with elder clients. That is not going to be where those elder clients are coming in. They are more likely going to want an in-person meeting. They are probably not going to be contacting them on their mobile device. It's going to be something, if they look at their website, it's probably going to be on a desktop. And they are going to be having a completely different kind of interaction with the firm. So understanding where they're at at that moment and then building that ease of the system into that, that communicates to them that you really understand it and you've been through it and you're the right person for them to work with. I, I feel like that's so valuable. Yes, absolutely. One other process that we have in, in the design, user-centric design process is I like to first look at the database of the customer to understand who are your customers, what is their profile, let's say, on, on your terms even, the ones that require more time from you or the ones who are... Any, any kind of pattern that we can see is helpful. And sure. then we can create personas that help us to establish how to design the website, for example. So you said like an elderly person, you can have a lot of uh, things that will be able to guide them through your service. And even before your journey on the website, you can have other communications that are targeting, for example, people with elderly parents. So exactly. that you start to, and that's understanding the client holistically because you have seen them, you know that they're always accompanied by someone, for example, right. or that they, they got to you through a phone call and right. then you start facilitating. That's why maybe it ties to the beginning of our conversation, the no way of knowing all these things from version one. 
Exactly, exactly. And you need to go through those steps to make sure. And then oftentimes you go through the steps, you launch a design or a project, and then you continue to learn how it's being used so that you can refine it and polish it and make it better as it's being used as well. So, you know, even before you launch to think that you might know six months down the road, it's probably not very likely. (laughs) (laughs) So Sergio, tell me what you're reading and what book you have to recommend. Yeah, since my second kid was born, they are six years old and two years old, and they're actually like in in top-notch behavior today because there's no noise. Hovering in the background. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. I have been listening to a lot of audiobooks. It became kind of a habit for me. I have read a couple of books lately that I would I didn't like them so much. But we're not going to recommend those. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to recommend those specifically. <laughs> but um, I would think that the latest uh, Steven Pinker book was good, uh, Rationality. It's a little bit like The Essentials, but I think it's important because I believe the, the book was set out to help us all to with this process where people are making decisions and forming opinions without any basis on on rationality. And this is something we kind of desperately need to get back to the status quo. Yeah, definitely. That sounds fantastic. I I love the process of how we make decisions and how we we don't even recognize how much of our own human faults that we're bringing in to that decision-making process and, and we are really impacted. It's not rational. Often, oftentimes we're kind yeah. of, you know, making very emotional decisions. <laughs> yes. Well, Sergio Tavares is the lead designer at Frog Helsinki. By the way, thank you so much for joining us from Helsinki. This has been a great span across time zones. <laughs> and Frog Helsinki is a global consultancy design and tech group. Thank you again so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. This was a fantastic conversation. I love talking about this stuff. Thank you, Karen, and congratulations on the show. Thank uh, you. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.